Welcome to Real Life Podcast Conversations from Life Foursquare. We invite you to dive deeper into the more difficult topics of faith. Have you struggled to gain understanding about biblical topics not often taught about from the pulpit? We may not have all the answers, but we are committed to the ongoing conversations as we search God's Word together. Mark and Lynn Cooper, local pastors, are your hosts. This show is our attempt at answering questions in greater depth than a sermon allows. We look forward to the dialogue and conversations your questions will bring. You can email us at reallifeatvisitlife.org. This podcast will cover many biblical topics, some fun, some serious, and some will simply pique your interest. This podcast is sponsored by Life Foursquare Church. It's produced by our media team here at Life Foursquare. Welcome, Mark here. Uh, Lynn is not with us this weekend, so I have with us a special guest. His name is Jared Gregory. He's actually on staff here at Life Foursquare, and he is a young man I've known. Jared, how long have we known each other? Probably almost 10 years now. 10 years. I can remember Jared in youth group. Um doing crazy things and always keeping it very interesting. And so Jared is a young man who is pursuing ministry. Uh, he's in college, junior, uh, senior year of college. Senior year at Life Pacific University, studying business. And so we're continuing our conversation on uh, racism. You know, two, two, three weeks ago, we began a conversation where we talked a lot about culture and how culture... Really, just to understand how how do we get to a place where racism is um, a behind the scenes or a driving sentiment within a culture? Uh, what leads us there, and then how do we change that? Right, and so we ended this cultural conversation with a let's let's all agree that culture needs to be established around the Christ likeness. Right, this idea that God is a God of culture; He has His own culture that he established the word of God in its set culture, which is Hebrew. And then also that culture transcends or that scripture transcends specific culture. So today we're going to continue in a conversation um, really about racism. It's Black History Month now. And I thought maybe we would talk about the origins of the Pentecostal movement. We would talk about um, racism in the church, color, uh, those things that maybe we don't necessarily see or feel, or some of us do, but some others don't, and just have like a real conversation. So we don't have a lot of notes for this conversation, but I'm excited about where we might go with it. So Jared, why don't you start by telling us just a little bit about yourself? Like for people who are listening to you now, what they're, what do they not know? What do they need to know? Um, I grew up here in the context of the Midwest in Decatur, Illinois. I grew up in a multi-ethnic home. My dad is African-American and my mom is white. So I really had that cross-cultural experience growing up with a white family and a black family. And those experiences were very different from each other. After um, I grew up around the age of 18, I moved to the Los Angeles area for a couple of years and was immersed into a completely different type of culture. So the idea that culture is influential in the way that you even live your life is highly important as we talk about the idea of racism. Okay, so that cultural, you know, for some of us, we only know um, the predominant culture that we've had experience with. And a lot of times, 
we don't expand that experience. We just don't know what we don't know. And so we don't, if you've never been out of, I remember taking a trip once with some young, with some youth, we'd do a senior trip and it blew my mind that like four of them had never been on an airplane. They'd never been out of the state of Illinois. They had never seen the ocean. And so their their understanding or their exposure to very different cultures was limited. Um, and certainly the way they felt about it, thought about it, saw it was limited. So Jared, you have some early understanding in this, seeing that you have an African-American father and a white mom, very different backgrounds, very different cultures, all meshing and mingling within the same home, right? Absolutely. Did that ever bring you to a place where, like, w- was that confusing for you in some ways? It's definitely confusing because if you don't know what I look like, I look very white. So growing up as a white passing male, I definitely did not identify with the African-American part of my culture or ethnicity growing up because it was a lot easier in the Midwest to identify as white. Yeah, because there's, especially where we're at, we're in central Illinois. Now, you travel to Chicago or St. Louis, you have larger populations, larger mixed populations, right? Mm -hmm. But in Decatur, I mean, you're 75% white here. Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, I didn't identify with African-American because I didn't know what that looked like. My black family doesn't live in the area. So my only black influence growing up in a predominantly white school was my father. And that is an interesting point, too, because most people aren't aware of other cultures they're not exposed to, which is a big part of racism, is the lack of exposure to other cultures. Excellent. And that brings us really to a place where what we want to talk about today is not necessarily... Um, we're you know we're not even going to ask the question of do things exist? Is this the way it is? We're gonna we're gonna just say yes. That's that's the way it is. But also, as followers of Christ, how do we how do we learn things we're unaware of? How do we address um, certain topics? How do we see change in our own life? And the 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 first step is recognizing real and realizing that if this is the way it is, how I behave and how I act can have an impact in that. It can bring change. Part of the way that we'll connect that, you know, as you think of Black History Month, you you have so many different people throughout the course of about 200 years that have drastically impact, uh, impacted American culture and also furthered the cause of the African-American culture or the African-American person towards equality, towards freedom, towards equal rights, um, and so there's a lot to talk about there, but I wanted to start with really Azusa Street Revival, the Azusa Street Revival, which is the initiation of the beginning of the Pentecostal movement. So, Jared, you've studied some of this. Just talk to me about what that event means to you, what that event, the importance of that event. Well, the importance of the Azusa Street Revival, because it's one of the latest revivals apart from the revivals in the 70s and 80s that we saw. Jesus people, yeah. The Jesus people. It's one of the first revivals that we see in America that's multi-ethnic and is really inclusive of what America looks like as a diverse nation. The Azusa Street Revival was born out of black churches. Yeah, absolutely. Which is Completely interesting because the founder of the Foursquare Gospel Movement and the founders of some of the other movements that moved out of um, the Azusa Street Revival aren't black, but it started in in, a black church. In a black church. A black holiness church, 
Um, William J. Seymour, who was the son of a freed slave or son of freed slaves, was the pastor of a small church in Los Angeles, and it is in that church, and it was a multicultural gathering. It wasn't just a black church with black people. It was a black church with white people, too, following the leadership of a black pastor. Yeah, absolutely. And to see how this one event was able to break down cultural barriers in the American church afterwards, too. It's important to realize that that revival led to the the desegregation of churches before segregation was illegal. Yeah, certainly. You, you still had, up until the 50s and 60s, you had segregation within public schools. But in the 20s and, and 30s, you saw desegregation of churches happening consistently, especially in this Pentecostal movement. So it became less about what are the cultural norms or barriers and what is the Holy Spirit speaking? What has God said about people in general? I think, honestly, the issue of racism would be largely dealt with in the individual's heart if we started seeing things from the perspective of people made in the image of God, not assuming that my image is the image of God, right? Like I'm my color, my, my, my size, my gender. And so that means God is like me. No, I have to be able to see the differences as beauty and as the full image of God, rather than just the likeness of what I'm comfortable with or used to. Excellent. Okay. So talk to me about some of the challenges. Now I pastor, I I was your youth pastor and I am your pastor now. And so without any worries about, oh my goodness, I might offend Pastor Mark, or I might, you know, you know me well enough to know. Talk to me about some of the hurdles or some of the challenges that you have experienced in a predominantly white church. In a predominantly white church, while growing up in the youth group, we had half of a black person in our youth group, and that half of a black person was me growing up. And so we didn't have a whole diverse youth group, but our demographic of the schools that primarily were involved in youth group weren't highly diversified either. No. And so growing up, me and my dad were for a long time the only people with an African-American ethnicity growing up in the church. So I know that made my father uncomfortable growing up because he didn't see anybody else that looked like him in leadership or around him. And most recently has our church changed to become more diversified, not just for the purpose of diversity in statistics, but for inclusion. We want our church to look like the community around us. Very good. And so what are some of the steps that you think, like, okay, we we had started this conversation with you don't really know what you don't know. And there's some aspect of ignorance that is acceptable. Um, It's not acceptable as, hey, let's stay there. But it's acceptable as you didn't know that. And because you didn't know that, I'm not faulting you for that. But I am expecting you now that you know to make some changes or to think differently or to process what God's asking you to do. So how does a church, any church, whether it's black or white, I mean, there are churches in our community that are primarily black churches that might also be taking the same perspective we are, which is saying we want to look like our community, right? And so how does any church start to engage um, effectively, not for statistic reasons only, but to effectively engage portions of its population that are different than it. 
Absolutely. Well, I believe that the first step and the the biggest mistake that I see churches making is referring to other community groups as they or them. We have to reach them. They need our help. <laughs> we Very need good. outreach to them as if white churches need Jesus more than black churches do or black churches or black people need Jesus more than white people do. And neither of those statements are true. But to engage your community is about inclusion. We want to include our community in what's happening here because we're concerned about following Christ more than we're concerned about having diversity. And so when you reach other people, it looks like, it even looks like informing yourself on their culture so that you're not cro- you're not invading other culture just for the sake of diversity. That's good. We talked about this a couple weeks ago where if you looked at culture and you thought of it like an iceberg, there are certain things above the water that you just they're just so obvious and if you transgress those things it's not a big deal. It's like it, it's like not emotionally connected, but then there are deeper things in that culture. And the deeper you go, the more emotional response you're going to have when you transgress them, right? When you when you accidentally cross that that cultural norm, um, the emotional response, the deeper it is, is a far more. Um, it's hurtful. Yeah, it's it's hurtful. It's a it's a huge response. And so, knowing what they are, how do how do I know what how how do you or I get to the place where we start to know what they are? It's about having conversation Very and good. I starting love that. starting conversation. And we've heard that term several times over the, I mean, in the past 20 years, just, we have to start a conversation. We have to start a conversation, but we do. That's where you start is that we draw community leaders together. We draw people and we create, we create systems. We create places where we are having open communication, town halls, different things to where everybody has a voice and everybody can be heard because the body of Christ isn't effective if it's not unified. Right. I, I, unity is ab- absolutely a requirement for the body of Christ. The, to have diversity doesn't mean that you can't have unity. It, you can be very different and still working absolutely. towards the same objective, same goal, which as far as the, 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 the concept of Christianity goes, that's very simple because it's like one goal, right? You get two primary commandments, love each other, love the Lord, and then go and make disciples. So it's pretty straightforward. Whatever culture you're in, and that's the importance of of the gospel of Christ transcending culture barriers. Because no matter what we agree we can eat, no matter how we agree to dress or disagree on dress, no matter how we spend our time, our energies, or how our families are structured, whether small nuclear families or large extended families— None of that makes any difference when it comes to the primary goals of loving God, loving others, and fulfilling the commission of Christ, which is making disciples. So the unity has to be found in that rather than cultural similarity. Absolutely. And it's, an, and it's okay to realize that we haven't done a great job at this before. Yeah. It's important to realize and look at, our, and look at our church or look at any church and say, okay, we haven't done a great job yet, but we're committed to this process of not only diversity and inclusion, but reconciliation moving forward. Yeah, which that I'm glad you brought that up because whenever you talk about the ministry of Jesus, it always is a ministry of reconciliation. 
And so it's not just about creating a space at a table for someone. It's about being in right relationship with the people at the table. Absolutely. There's a picture someone sent me, Jared, a little while ago. She lives in Florida now. She was part of this church when it, she was a child. Uh, she's in her 90s. And so when she was young, and and this year we'll celebrate our 90th uh, anniversary as a church, but the picture is of like this this old tin tabernacle, and it had to be in the 30s. Um, I'm going to see if I can pull it up and let you look at it real quick here. But it is a, a church building. And what it says, the sign on the front of the ta- on the front of the building, it doesn't say Foursquare that I can tell anyway. It it just has in big letters, everybody's tabernacle, salvation and healing. And I love that. I love it so much. I I, I want to connect who we are today back to some of the foundational things of how we started, everybody's tabernacle. Now, granted, when I look at this picture, what what do you see? You're looking at it with me. Tell me what you see when you there's there's a picture of a building, the sign, everybody's tabernacle, and then there's some cars and there's some people. I see some Model A cars, and it certainly looks like the 20s or 30s. What do you notice about that picture? I notice the people, the the gathering of. It looks like different kinds of people. I see people that all don't look the same. Yeah, there. It 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 looks to me like there's the, the sign is what it means. Everybody's tabernacle. Now, granted, Decatur's always been a higher population of white than black, or Hispanic, or Asian. So I would anticipate that there's going to be white people in this picture, but I also would anticipate, hopefully that there are people of different colors and different races and different backgrounds and different ages and different genders. The, the, the idea that God has desired for us to spread the gospel, like he said, out of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, that we could do church that way today, that in our own country, we could engage across cultural bearers, across ethnic bearers, across racial barriers is hugely important and valuable. We have to come back to some of these primary basic things. Everybody's tabernacle, a place of salvation and healing. I love that. And I think that it has to begin, like you said, Jaron, with the initiation of conversation. Now, when we engage conversation, like if I called you into my office, if I, if I sent you an email, Jared, <laughs> and I said, hey, I need to have a conversation with you. What do you? What's your first response? I'm in trouble. I did something wrong. <laughs> okay. Whenever you have groups of people and those groups of people have different roles or different aspects within a, a community, they have maybe some hold all the cards, maybe some don't. Maybe some have authority, maybe some don't. And you begin a conversation how you begin it is extremely important. Absolutely. And I'll have to I'll have to be honest with you. This is the place we're probably the most ignorant. This is the hardest place. Once the conversation is started, I feel like things can happen naturally. And we, you know, for for people who love the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to lead them, those conversations once engaged are going to flow. They're going to go where they need to go, and if we keep our ears open, God's going to show us what we need to know. 
However, the initiation of that can be very difficult. Do you have any kind of pointers or ideas or tips as to how, for, as, a, as a person who has seen both sides of it, um, been, been engaged for most of your life in the balancing of different cultures, different races, how do, how do we engage that conversation? Engaging any conversation has to come from a place of humility. And it has to come from a place that even though, I want to be careful when I say this because I want you to hear me correctly when I say this. The predominantly white church doesn't have to say, I'm sorry because I'm wrong. And it doesn't have to apologize for anything. It is just the the point to say, I've recognized where the where the hurt has come from. Very good. Because the most leaders in the white church today have not made the decision to say, we don't want black people in our church or we don't want minorities. I I believe that is very few leaders. But there there is power when you go in conversation to somebody else and say, I recognize the hurt that has been done to your community. I recognize the trauma that has come from the polarization of churches and the unacceptance to even listen. So I believe engaging conversations from a place of saying, I see where you're at. I see where the hurt's been done. And I want to be an agent of reconciliation and healing into these places so we can move forward Ah, in kingdom mission together. That's so good. I feel like sometimes the biggest hurdle is when when people come to a place— where they want to say, I can recognize the hurt. That it, what, what holds them back is, is some fear, I think, of validating um, some sin in them, right? Absolutely. I can tell you honestly, I'm not, I, I don't have any desire in my heart to hate people or to, to judge people, but I've probably done racist things without even realizing I did it. I've probably done things that have perpetuated an under- uh, under the surface problem without even really recognizing that I did those things. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to start a conversation with humility by saying, you know what, I can see that there is hurt here and I can see that that hurt has had some effect in your life personally and I love you and I'm sorry for that hurt and I want to see how we can make tomorrow just even a little different than that. I, I see where you're at. I'm sorry for that. What do we do now? And it's even asking questions too. What do I do that makes you uncomfortable? What? How do we operate in a way that may be offensive to you? Having these conversations doesn't have to be accusatory, subdu- accusatory yeah. or inflammatory or even political. It doesn't need to be any of these things. It's simply saying, how do we move forward together in a way that I respect you and your community and your culture? See, that is something I think that, um, I mean, let's just be real here. There, there are probably more areas of um, isolation like that than there's not. Like when I think of how women respond and how, how young people or old people or different, um, different races Black, Asian, white, Hispanic, whatever. There's so many that there's there's. It's hard to even say this is the one right way and the one perspective. But we often operate from just this very simple one way and one perspective, without even saying. I wonder how you know if I have nothing but 
men, male pastors. I wonder how little girls in the church see what God might do in their life. Absolutely. Right? Like, can that little seven-year-old girl, after seeing only men on stage, can she believe that the Lord could call her to ministry, that the Lord is calling her to preach, that the Lord is calling her to be a missionary? And so it's not, it's not always that we think that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Your experience informs the way that you live your life. You know, for forty, for forty-four year, or for forty-four presidents, we had all white presidents. You know, my dad was born before the Civil Rights Act was passed. Yeah, my dad was born in nineteen fifty-nine. The Civil Rights Act wasn't enabled until nineteen sixty-four. My dad could take me back to places in his hometown to where there was colored-only water fountains and colored-only swimming pools and these kind of things. So his experience growing up was very different. Than somebody than a white man that was born in 1959, in the age of prosperity for America, and so the way that we experience life, even from an early age, informs us. So when we deal with the issue of racism or the deal with the issue of non-inclusion, it's often from the way that people were taught as young kids. So how do we, like we've talked a little bit about how we engage that conversation across those social or cultural or racial barriers, what happens when that conversation needs to be an internal one? Like, I obviously see the world a certain way. Lord, would you help me see it the way you see it? And I repent for not seeing it the way that you see it. Yeah, repentance is the beginning of everything. The repentance, not even just saying, God, I repent for having racist sin in my life. But God, show me where that racist sin is. Show me where I am not valuing other people as you value them. And how do I turn from that? And how do I actively engage people in a way that you see them? Very good. And so is this, if you, you know, when we think about this conversation and bearing in mind that we are in ministry and we're a church and I'm a pastor and my my perspective in my pursuit is really this. It's not to um, bring justice or social justice only. Do I want those things? Yes, I want them. But that's not my pursuit. My pursuit is that we would see Jesus Christ in our lives and transform the lives, lived out in our lives, and then also transforming the lives of people who don't know him yet. And so when I think about that statement that you just made, that conversation that you just had, it begins with repentance and not necessarily a repentance of, Lord, this is what it is. It's just, Lord, help me help me, forgive me and help me to see people the way you see them. Forgive me and help me to pick your side, not a side. Forgive me and help me to, as I live my life, clarify who you are rather than confuse who you are. I'd imagine that it's very confusing um, to hear people preach a a unconditional love, a forgiveness of sin, but only for a a few people, only for certain colors or only for, you know, and and it's not even that they preach that, but to preach that that word of God and then to live in a way that is even a little off from that can be very confusing. Is there anything else that you think, you know, as we think about 
um, where we're at with this. And I want to encourage you, if you're listening and you, you, um, you, you have a heart to see people the way Jesus sees them, that prayer happens easily. And it happens, it can happen right now. Um, and you just simply say, Lord, if there's anything in me that I don't recognize or I don't see, would you bring it to my attention so that repentance can be my next step? But then also, Lord, start to give me my, your heart for people, for all kinds of people, everywhere I go. All right, well, um, Jared, thank you for your time. I think we're going to continue this conversation next week, and we might have some other guests with us to start the conversation, start talking, and to even example, how do we start having this kind of conversation across social and cultural and racial boundaries or lines so that we're able to practically walk out some of the healing that needs to take place, some of the forgiveness, and and also the transformation of our own mind. Like, how can we see it your way? Absolutely. Anything else? I don't think so. Happy Black History Month. All right, dude. Um, I'll tell you, I wanted to, having you on, I wanted to tell all the stories that I have about all the things you've broken around the church <laughs> and all the times you told me, oh, yeah, I've done that a hundred times, <laughs> and then find out later that you'd never even done it, right? Okay, so, Jared, thanks for your time. We'll catch you guys next week. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear your thoughts about today's topic. You can send us an email at reallifeatvisitlife.org to give us your feedback. Real Life is a weekly podcast ministry of Life Foursquare Church in Decatur, Illinois. We hope you have a great week and look forward to continuing our conversation next time.